2: or text WONDERYPOD Pod to 500 500.
3: Good morning. I'm Jane Pauley, and this is Sunday Morning. For all the devastation Russia has caused in Ukraine, the human cost of that war is surely the greatest. David Martin this morning has an inspiring story of courage in the face of adversity.
4: Before the war started, Alexander Chaika made his living dancing, tumbling, and teaching. When Russia invaded Ukraine, he joined the army and was rushed to the front.
5: There was no thought on my part that I wouldn't join and do the right thing by my country.
4: Did the doctors tell you they were going to have to amputate your
6: leg? I was already
5: uh, unconscious at this time.
4: Later on Sunday morning, back on two feet with help from friends in America.
3: In the wake of last week's horrific gun violence, Martha Teichner will show us how tragedy is changing the American landscape. Alison Aubrey will be serving up a new take on a holiday side dish, honey nut squash, a story from Steve Hartman, and we'll get the latest from Josh Seftel's mom, and more this Sunday morning for the 27th of November, 2022. We'll be back after this.
0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
3: Modern medicine can save countless warriors who'd likely have died on the battlefield in wars past. But survival has its price, especially for amputees. David Martin shows us how some are rebuilding their lives with an assist from those who well understand the challenges ahead. I had two choices.
6: One was to sit at home and feel sorry for myself. And the other was to do something with the life that I got.
4: Wounded American veteran, you. And Senator Tammy Duckworth talking heart-to-heart with wounded Ukrainian veteran Alexander Chaika.
6: So I wear the shorts like you do, mm-hmm. but I have padding. Here, I'll just show She
4: lost both legs 18 years ago in Iraq mm-hmm. oh, and knows what lies ahead for him.
8: This is what happens with, with amputees. You always compare, yeah. You mm-hmm. always compare, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, you're like me. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Traveling with his wife, Anna, and Olena Nikolayenko of the charitable organization Future for Ukraine, Alex arrived in the U.S. last month to be fitted for a new leg.
8: come to our office in the morning and we, we start.
4: By Mike Corcoran.
8: Walking next week.
4: He fitted Duckworth with her prosthetic limbs and is now volunteering to do the same for
8: amputees from Ukraine. We have committed to this project half a million dollars of our services because you have to support these people that are fighting for democracy before the war started alex made his living dancing tumbling
4: and teaching but once russia invaded ukraine he joined the army and was rushed to the front the
5: country was in danger. There was no thought on my part that I would join and do the right thing by my country.
4: Last April, a Russian shell cost him his right leg all the way up to the hip.
5: They told me at the hospital that I was close to dying.
4: Did the doctors tell you they were going to have to amputate your leg?
5: I was already uh, unconscious at this time, so I was not aware that they would amputate my leg.
4: In Ukraine, hospitals are inundated with the wounded, both military and civilian, and medical personnel have not yet developed the expertise
8: to handle extreme amputations. They didn't have the knowledge or the capability of taking care of someone with Alexander's uh, level of injury. (laughs) On Alex's first full day in America, he
4: reports to Corcoran's prosthetic clinic to be fitted for a socket for his new leg.
8: Let's keep it just at the top.
4: A procedure made more difficult because the amputation is so high up and the cut was not a clean one. Six days later, he sees his $100,000 leg for the first time. Like it? Yes. He hasn't stood on two legs since he was wounded. Alex, how does it feel? He tells that it's magic. He can imagine that he has this leg.
8: So, left leg first and.
4: The next day, he starts learning to walk again.
8: So, always head up, right? (laughs) His physical
4: fitness gives him an advantage starting over.
8: That's a B plus. All the parts are designed to make walking as easy as possible, but it's still a lot of effort. There we go. It's as high-tech as it comes. It's um, a microprocessor knee, it's a hydraulic hip joint, and it is exactly what our wounded warriors over here would be receiving.
6: So my technology is a little bit older than what he's got. He's got more modern stuff than I do.
4: But no matter how state-of-the-art the technology Amputees all live with phantom pain in their missing limbs.
6: For me, most of the time, it feels like someone is taking a big nail and hammering it into the bones in my toes with electricity going through it. Zzz, ah. yeah. But he feels as if somebody is smashing his foot, tightening it in a vice, And then it, uh, after that, it's like tuh, 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 as if knocking at yeah. a hammer.
4: The skin on Alex's stump is already beginning to break down and will need further surgery.
8: This is a process that goes for years. His Mm -hmm. muscles will atrophy a little, and then at some point you have to make a new socket. The components will last three to five years, but Mm -hmm. we could do a new socket in a year.
4: Duckworth has already learned the hard truth of losing a limb in combat.
6: The wounds from war, both the physical ones and the mental ones, and the hidden ones will be with you for the rest of your life. He says, you're the bee's knees. He says, everything that you've been through, you're so inspiring.
8: There you go, that's it. Attitude is everything. If you have the desire, we give you the tools.
4: What do you think of his attitude?
8: Fantastic.
4: <laughs> Alex and Anna fell in love before the war, married as soon as he came out of intensive care, and plan to have a family in what she shyly calls the nearest time. Are you pregnant now?
5: <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs>
4: Congratulations to both of you. <laughs> the baby is due in April, one year after Alex lost his leg. His last name, Chaika, means seagull in Ukrainian. <laughs> and he looks ready to take off into his new life. Is he
8: happy? They're just yes, of course. <laughs> That's the most important thing, right?
4: Alex arrived back in Ukraine a week ago. Now there are three more amputees at Mike Corcoran's clinic being fitted for new legs.
9: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way?
3: Thanksgiving is a beloved holiday that brings family and friends together. Sadly, in the wake of last week's horrific gun violence, we're coming together for quite different reasons. As Martha Teichner shows us, memorials to these tragedies are now part of the American landscape.
0: Club Q, active shooter, all units respond.
6: It's all so sickeningly repetitive. Another gay nightclub, five dead, at least 18 wounded in Colorado Springs. Three days later, another Walmart, seven dead, including the gunman in Chesapeake, Virginia. Mass shooting number 607 this year in the United States, according to the Gun Violence Archive. But believe it or not, there were at least eight others last week. And when the vigils have stopped, and the makeshift shrines are bedraggled, what then? How does the story of what happened get told, and who gets to tell it? Those who perished and their families will not be forgotten. In El Paso, Texas, a pillar of light with 22 beams shines out from the parking lot of that other Walmart, where 22 people were gunned down on August 3rd, 2019. Walmart moved fast. The Grand Candela, as it's called, went up in three and a half months and was dedicated before a 23rd victim died. Six years and counting, after 49 people were killed here at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida, the other LGBTQ bar You can still see bullet holes in the building, which remains a temporary memorial. The fight over what a permanent memorial should look like makes clear just how messy and contentious memorializing mass shootings can be.
5: Barbara is a powerful force in this community, and for some people, a lightning
6: rod. Deborah Bowie is the executive director of the One Pulse Foundation, Hired recently after criticism of Barbara Poma, co-owner of the nightclub.
3: It is our responsibility to make sure that everyone knows what happened at Pulse.
6: Poma established the foundation. Its purpose, to raise the tens of millions of dollars needed to build an entire Pulse campus, incorporating the club, a memorial, and a separate museum several blocks away.
10: I miss Pulse.
6: The foundation now calls Poma the keeper of the story.
10: We want control over
3: the Pulse name, the Pulse physical location, the building, so that we can control our own tragedy. We own, it's our tragedy. It's not Barbara Poma's tragedy.
6: Christine and son, Christopher, and his boyfriend, Juan Ramon Guerrero, died in the Pulse shooting. It's painful. It never ends. Christopher was the light of my life, and the light's gone. That's Juan, Christopher. Linenen is one of dozens of survivors and victims' family members who have sued club owners Poma and her husband, claiming they were negligent at the site and contributed to the loss of life, a claim they deny. Linenen considers the museum exploitation, and once it stopped... 20 years from now, 30 years from now, people aren't gonna remember the shooting. Is there a need to tell the story of what happened?
3: Well, maybe if you could trust the storytellers, there is no trust.
5: The museum is not to monetize or exploit tragedy. The museum will be part of the entire Pulse experience. We engage with the families frequently. The family members tell the story. And what is that story? There are six words that came out of the initial survey that have become part of our our vision, right, our value statement. And they are love, hope, unity, acceptance, courage, and strength.
9: Nine white ribbons were placed outside the Emanuel AME Church in tribute to the victims.
6: We have no room for hating,
0: so we have to forgive.
6: Forgiveness was the word that loved ones of the Charleston Nine chose after a white supremacist opened fire during an evening prayer service at Mother Emanuel AME Church in 2015. We are one! The watching world was amazed at the response. How important was forgiveness in creating the type of memorial that you've chosen to have?
2: It was very important. Some people have the thought process to say, oh, because they gave, forgave so quickly, it was easy for them. No. Oh, no, definitely not. It still causes pain to this day.
6: The Reverend Eric Manning's predecessor, a senior pastor, the Reverend Clemente Pinckney, was killed in the shooting. Here, so this is pretty much where the fellowship benches will be. You'll have uh, here one here, here? Yes. Seven years later, the $20 million memorial Mother Emanuel is planning will be about remembering the dead on one side of the church and celebrating the survivors on the other. There is no righteous indignation. There is no anger. But should there be? Memorials to mass shootings have become the expensive public art versions of condolence cards for a society in pain. Most omit any imagery suggesting that heinous acts of gun violence are the reason they exist. When you see the calls for the competitions, like there's a new one that just came out, and we,
2: we talked about this in our studio, we're not going to go after it. I am more interested in the articulation of the real issue for these, which is the violence.
6: And yet, it was to bring comfort to grieving families that landscape architect Walter Hood designed San Bernardino, California's graceful, undulating, Curtain of Courage, 14 personalized alcoves for the 14 people killed by terrorists here in 2015. Among the dead Damien mines does that help with the healing process I think it helps to remember but for mother and daughter Trena and Tina mines though, building memorial after memorial is not enough
10: It doesn't help in the sense that
6: there are still shootings after shootings after shootings I think these memorials should memorialize the people that lost their lives. I think it should also at the same time be a call to action, a a reminder that this could happen anywhere to anyone. And it shouldn't have to. It, It shouldn't have to, and it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to.
3: with Steve Hartman this morning. Time to strike up the band. He was
7: only in third grade, but Henry Boyer already knew what he wanted to be. As we first reported a few years ago, Henry discovered his passion after attending a University of Michigan football game. They were that good?
0: My mind was blown of how good they played.
7: But it wasn't the football that he fell for. It was the marching band. He even wrote a letter to the band saying how he'd love to sign up someday. Let's go blue! And in response, the band sent him a bunch of swag and a card, inviting him to audition when he's older. What were you feeling in that moment?
0: Surprised and heartwarmed.
1: What did they say? Uh,
0: they said they make going to accept me in a few years. Into what? <laughs> into the
1: marching band! Are you excited? Yes, I'm that really was... excited.
7: After that, Henry asked his mom if he could double up on piano lessons and started taking drums too.
0: Like Descartes said, practice hard and I will practice hard.
7: So you can get there someday.
0: Yes, I just have a really good feeling that I'm gonna be in the marching band.
7: If all goes as planned, Henry will join the band in the fall of 2029. But we thought and the school agreed that's an awfully long time to wait for a dream to come true. So we set up a little surprise right behind this door.
10: No way! Henry, this is your Michigan marching band. No way! Oh. (laughs) We're so excited to have you here with us, Henry. I can't believe I'm here.
7: (laughs) The Michigan marching band wrote out a single note And just look at the symphony that followed. You got it. A masterpiece of kindness and inspiration that struck a major chord in this young man's life and continues to resonate to this very day. Last weekend, the band invited him back. Henry, who's now 11, got to lead the march to Michigan Stadium. And when the time came for his favorite song at his favorite venue, Henry Boyer was front and center
0: that even made me want to join the band even more
7: but no matter where his music career takes him hopefully henry will continue to follow the lead set by this marching band and play it forward yeah. Nice job!
5: I can't wait to join oh yeah
7: it'll come soon
2: at amica insurance we know it's more than just a house it's your home The place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out. To the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots. Trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.
1: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you.
3: And for good reason, she's had some challenging times. But she's back, and on a roll.
5: I wouldn't mind being in television, on television or the radio.
7: You know what your chances of that are?
5: No. However, you never, you never know.
0: Several years ago, after my dad died, I bought my mom an iPad and started FaceTiming with her. Can you see I me? I can't see... Oh, no, I can. We recorded more than 100 conversations. Hello. Wait, wait. Several for this show. There I am. And she's always brought a fresh perspective to every topic. I want to talk with you about vaping. I what?
5: actually think I saw somebody doing it in Mexico. Yeah. In the nightclub.
0: Self-driving cars.
5: Ah, I don't like
0: that. Even twerking.
5: What was it called? Turkey or turkey or twerking? Is that what it is?
0: But earlier this summer, we had to put our conversations on hold. After emergency surgery and almost a month in the hospital, with some touch and go moments, I'm happy to announce she's back home and up for her first interview in a while.
5: Can you make me look thin? Hello.
0: What have you been through in the last two months?
5: I went for heart tests and I flunked them. They had to do a quadruple bypass. I was in shock. I thought I had indigestion. Being 85 years old and going through a big surgery, a lot of stuff could happen.
0: What role did family play in helping you with your recovery?
5: Well, probably the biggest. They came from all over. Somebody always being there with me. Beautiful flowers or a nice card can do a lot more than a pill to help you get
0: better. What breakthroughs have you had?
5: Well, that I can walk again.
0: How do you like using the cane?
5: It's not new. Oh, yesterday I put on makeup for the first time. You always look better when you have a little makeup. Cheered me up. You look
0: much younger.
5: That would be the day. Oh, today I went to the grocery store and I used one of those carts for the first time. It was fun, I liked it. Very grateful I didn't hurt anybody.
0: Yesterday I saw you dancing in the pharmacy.
5: I don't know if you'd call it dancing. There was music on, and I was shaking my tush.
0: (laughs) What's the best thing you bought at the grocery store?
5: Eclairs. Eclairs.
0: When are you going to eat them?
5: As soon as possible. I'm getting better, guys.
0: What have you learned from this experience?
5: Just to appreciate everything and stop taking everything for granted. Be positive, think positive, in whatever it is that you're
0: going through. So there's something I wanted to show you Hey, ready?
3: Yeah. Hi, Pat. This is from everybody. Oh, my goodness. We're just checking up on you and want to remind you that we're pulling for your quick recovery. Pretty soon, it's going to be time for another chat with Josh. So you need to get better, because we're all waiting to hear from you once again.
0: What do you think?
5: That's so nice. Makes you feel like you really want to get better, fans. You made my day. Oh, my god. I can't believe it.
0: Do you want to see it again?
5: Sure. I'll probably listen to it all day.
3: (laughs) It's a vegetable that gets no respect. Squash. Even the name could use some work. But NPR's Allison Aubrey tells us help is on the way. Two cannelloni, two chicken, ending two pork. Yes!
10: A renowned chef has a secret to share. It turns out he's not really the creator of all the delicious flavor he serves up. Increasingly, the flavor is created here.
2: We are standing in the middle of the Row 7 Trial Farm in the Berkshires, western Massachusetts.
10: We're surrounded by rows of squash, and not the kind you need to smother in marshmallows. Chef Dan Barber has teamed up with Michael Mazurek, a plant breeder at Cornell University.
9: People want delicious, flavorful fruits and vegetables, but the system isn't designed to deliver that to them.
10: Their new enterprise, Row 7 Seed Company, aims to overhaul the taste of vegetables. And they're doing it the traditional way— a la Gregor Mendel, the 19th century monk who showed how genetic traits can pass from generation to generation.
9: Through a cross-pollination, we're marrying those traits, and then we can select for the best of the best, generation after generation.
10: And is that what you've done here?
9: It is, and it's all, all around us. I meet a lot of people that might tell me they don't like squash, but then when they try one of these, they're hooked.
10: Mazurek says people don't realize that most produce is bred to look perfect on the shelf. But taste, he says, has become an afterthought. The American food culture is hungry for things that taste good. One example, honey nut squash, bred at Cornell, is now sold in supermarkets and farmers markets all over the country.
0: Customers are thrilled about it.
10: Farmer Stephen Beres in Woodbury, Connecticut says the honey nut squash is good for his business and his fields.
0: The yields are very good. Disease tolerance is also excellent, so it makes it easier for us to grow. And uh, the yield makes it more profitable for us to grow, so we can afford to keep doing it. And this, this beauty.
10: Oh wow, look at that. Yeah. It looks, it's very vibrant orange. Right. You see how tiny they've bred the honey nut squash to be? Well, this concentrates all of the flavor, the color, and all of the nutrients.
2: So what we did here to be as scientific as possible, is I added nothing. I just want you to see that. So the
10: nothing in here except squash.
2: Squash unplugged. Bite for a bite.
10: Mmm. That's crazy, right? Mmm. There's something else in here, too. I mean, it's sort of- Love. Creamy. Oh, it's love. That's okay, love. I got it. That's the magic ingredient. <laughs> Row 7 has launched a beet that tastes melon-like, and a potato called the Upstate Abundance that's bred to taste creamy without adding butter. It's just salt and water. Hi, guys. Barber partnered with the Brownsville Community Culinary Center in Brooklyn, where some kids gave it a try. The potato was bomb.
5: These things right here, these is the money makers. Yeah. <laughs>
10: And that's Barber's goal, to win over a new generation of eaters with flavors from the field.
2: And this is how we serve at the restaurant, just like that, with a little salt.
3: Thank you for listening. Please join us when our trumpet sounds again next Sunday morning.
0: If you like CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Polly, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus,